buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. All right, what is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode. Thanks for tuning in. I have a special guest today that is Lisa Peskin. She is the founder of the Business Development University. We're going to dig in and learn a little bit about her story and how she got into sales. And then as always, we're going to deliver on our promise and give you as much tactical sales tips as possible so that you can up your sales game. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So tell us the short version of your story and how you got into sales. And then we're going to talk tactical and give these folks as much as they can to start uh, improving as sellers. Well, Probably like a lot of you out there, I never thought I'd be in sales. Honestly, <laughs> I thought I was going to be a doctor. I went through all the pre-med classes up at Penn State oh, wow. and, went and realized I wasn't going to be a great doctor, but I knew I loved helping people. Finished with the yeah. psychology degree. Then I got my MBA marketing and I said, oh, I just got to do sales for a little bit. But I never expected to have a career in sales. And once I got into it, once I figured it out, I realized it's really the best profession out there. Mm, all right. Well, I think that is, like you said, a very common story. Uh, you know, I've heard you know, went to school for accounting, realized it wasn't for me, uh, got into sales, uh, lost my job, got into sales. Uh, the economy sucked, got into sales. I've heard it all. Um, I think this is the first time that I've heard somebody say that they had plans to be a doctor, then they got into sales. So that's a first, um, but very common that sales is not their first option. Definitely their plan B uh, or fallback plan, whatever you want to call it. And I think that's going to be the case for a lot of folks right now, uh, considering the current you know, situation and, and, and the economy. A lot of people are going to be falling into sales. So what do you tell those folks that are just getting into this profession? And um, you know, what sort of advice would you give them uh, getting started as a young new seller? Well, first of all, for anyone that's new to sales or anybody that's been sales for all their life, in my personal opinion, sales is by 
far the best career out there. What other career can you make unlimited amounts of money? You get to meet new people all the time. You get to help people all the time. You get to plan your own schedule. And the results that you get are a direct result of the effort and activities that you put in. Mm. And for some advice, well, I'm writing a book right now on what I wish I I start did in 1986 when I started in sales. But the first thing I would say is have a game plan. Don't mm. wait, right? So many salespeople, they get up every day, they check their voicemail, they check their email, they see what appointments are on the calendar, and then they wing it from there. So my first advice is have a good game plan with well-defined activity goals and result goals. The next thing I would say is, I believe that nobody in this whole wide world likes to be sold anything. And I think we've all got to stop trying to sell our stuff. It's all about helping an individual or company with your product or service. So if you think about those two things, um, and we'll share a bunch of other things later, but those are some things off the top of my head. Yeah. All right. Listen up, sales hustles. Let's uh, let's kind of recap some of those things there um, that Lisa's talking about. So one thing that you said um, that that really stood out is you get what you put into it, right? And that is a key component to being successful in sales. You know, if you're not putting in the time, the effort, and the hard work and the sweat. And you're not getting the results that you're looking for. You have nothing to nobody to blame that on other than yourself. So take a look at, you know, what are you putting into whatever it is that you're selling? And then another piece that you said that really stood out that I want folks to pay attention to is that, you know, people don't want to be sold. Obviously, people don't like change as well. Um so you really got to have that mindset of helping and serving. And if you can make, and it's something that, you know, is for me personally, as I evolved as a salesperson or sales professional, um, you know, when I really was able to, you know, look as sell, selling as serving, it really changes your whole mindset and how you approach sales and the activities involved in you selling. Absolutely. And the other thing is, just like any other profession, whether you're a physician or an attorney or an accountant, you got to look at sales as a craft. And Mm. there are some fundamentals, basic fundamentals that you need to understand in order to be successful in sales. The first thing we got to figure out is how to fill that pipeline with good qualified opportunities on a consistent basis. How do we retain our existing customers? How do we penetrate and upsell and cross sell? And then make sure we've got a really good process, right? So when we've got a center of influence or suspect or prospect or existing client in front of us, what's the process that we're going to take them through to make sure we accomplish as much as we could possibly accomplish? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things that stand out to me there is like everybody sells, right? Like regardless of what you do, like even as a parent, you got to be a good seller. You got to be a damn good seller as a parent. I got three little ones myself and they probably are the hardest sell (laughs) for me. Um, And even a little example is my son who's five. He's becoming a good seller because 
He listens to what I've told him, like, hey, if you want to get the result that you want to get, here's a better way to approach it, which leads me to like the next topic that I want to dig into is part of being a great seller is being a great listener. You know, so often people are so caught up in their script, their talk track, their playbook, their demo deck, whatever it is that they think that they're supposed to say next to get to the yes, when really you need to stop shut up, mute yourself, and pay attention to what people are saying and let that determine where it goes next. You have two ears and one mouth and you've got to use them in direct proportion. And the other thing is you're right. It is all about figuring out how you could help the prospect or client with your product or service. And they're not always going to divulge all their problems or issues because they don't necessarily want to be sold. So you've got to figure out a way to uncover that information. Mm-hmm. But then another key thing is salespeople typically are decent at finding out what the prospect needs. And if any of you guys are out there don't have a discovery document, I'm gonna say put that as a star on your piece of paper because you need something that's an intake document. But what they forget to find out, and especially on the front end, is their needs. Who's the decision maker? Are they looking at any other alternatives? What's the criteria that they're going to be using? Is this a must have or like to have? What's the budget? What's the decision making timeline? What's the process that they're going through? A lot of salespeople try to get that information on the back end and it definitely trips them up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And also even to go like a little, to just to kind of add to what you said too. Yes, digging into those different things and specifically around the problem, but what does the problem, what sort of impact does the problem have? Because that's how you're going to know, is it, is the impact great enough for them to do something that's uncomfortable, which is change, right? Is whatever the future state of what you're offering through your product or service, Um, If the impact is not that significant or they don't realize, you don't help them realize how big of a problem it is and how it's impacting them individually or as a team or as a leader or as a company or how it's going to, you know, hold them back from achieving certain goals, then there's never, even if you, even if you get them to agree there's a problem, if they don't understand the impact of that problem, it's going to be really hard to convince them to change and sign up for whatever it is that you do. I have a perfect example of what you just said. So we're talking about ROI. And when we put our investment or the fee structure, we've got to do it in the context of what they're trying to achieve or avoid. And I had a client of mine. She was selling databases of physicians to hospitals for $18,000. And every hospital was like, I'm I'm not spending $18,000 on a database of physicians. So I suggested that she ask two more questions. How many openings do you have for how many months? Because one opening was $100,000 of lost revenue. So if they had two openings for two months, now we're talking about $400,000 of lost revenue. Once she started putting her $18,000 solution in the context of the $400,000 problem, she started selling like a crazy woman. She went from being number nine to being number one just by making that little tweak. And sometimes it is little tweaks like that that are the difference between someone that's struggling to make their number and somebody that's a superstar. Yeah, yeah. And and being able to pay attention enough 
and actively listen good enough to ask those deep questions that are going to get you that information that you got to dig deep. They're not going to just willingly hand you over all of that information if you don't ask the right questions. And there's a couple little techniques. So one is using softening phrases. Just out of curiosity, if you don't mind me asking, just so I know, those are great ways to get information. Also using stories about other clients, when they focus on somebody else as opposed to them, oftentimes they let their guard down and it helps you in uncovering some information that they not, might not have been willing to divulge otherwise. Mm, mm, yeah. So asking the question in a way that it doesn't seem, you know, so intrusive. Yeah. So a lot of my, my other, my other clients say that one of the things that's really, um, costing them a lot of money or, or getting in their way or causing bottlenecks is this, is this something that you deal with as well? right? It's just another way to get at the information. And it's got to be conversational. It's got to be consultative and it can't be manipulative. So mm -hmm. people buy from people that they like and people that they trust. So if you go in as a consultant trying to figure out how to help them out and take that approach, you'll make a lot more sales. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the conversation is definitely, you know, to, to touch on your points, it's got to be a collaborative conversation, right? And to kind of add to that, people buy from people that solve real problems for them, right? Because if they like you and you're, you're, you're interesting and fun to talk to, that helps, but it's not enough to get the sale, right? So if you're having that collaborative conversation with them, and you're really helping them identify the problem, the impact and how you can solve it. And then it makes sense. You know, then they like you. That helps. But people buy from people that solve problems. So, you know, I think a lot of salespeople get caught in this 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 misunderstanding that they think that just because people like them or they're great talkers, that that's going to be enough. That'll take them so far. But it's definitely it helps when you also can master that craft of being collaborative, being consultative, asking deep questions, helping them identify the problem and the impact and how you can help them solve that. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. All right. So we've talked a lot about like prospecting discovery stuff, right? So let's talk about, let's go like a little further down the sales process, right? The deals, because I mean, let's, I think that something that I know that I've seen is there's a lot of deals to get in the funnel that should never make it there in the first place. Right. If the discovery wasn't handled properly, they could have disqualified them a lot earlier on. You know, I think a lot of reps get scared to disqualify a deal because they just want to fill the pipeline and hope that it sticks. And the problem is, is they don't realize that that actually hurts them way more than it helps them because you end up spinning your wheels and wasting your time on a lot of deals that are never going to close and never even should have been a deal in the first place. But let's just assume the pipeline's healthy. They're solid deals. You know, great discovery was done. And the deals just aren't moving along. What do you tell these folks? No loosey-goosey next steps. That's exactly what I tell them. You should mm -hmm. never leave it a conversation appointment without a defined next step. So, so many times someone says, oh, I'm making a decision next week. And then you go, okay, I'll call you next week. And they don't pick up the phone. Mm 
Set up appointments for the decisions. You know what? When are you, you're looking to make a decision next Friday, why don't we do this? Why don't we set up a time to talk next Friday? That way I can answer any questions. And if everything looks good, we can get the necessary paperwork taken care of to move forward. Does that sound okay to you? If you make appointments for the decisions, that's great. The other time, uh, the other reason why sales cycles get elongated is because we're not dealing with all the decision makers. We didn't determine the decision-making process right from the start. And we didn't use what I call a reverse timeline. So if it's going to take six weeks to set it up and they want to get set up by January, well, I'm going to need a decision by mid-November. So there's different techniques that you could use, but... My biggest one is no loosey-goosey next steps for now on with anything. If you always do the next step at the current step, you save yourself a step. Yeah, yeah. No, those are some great things. I like that reverse timeline. Um, You know, and I think that, uh, you know, something that I know sometimes, and this is my own personal experience, Sometimes the only, you know, as much we could talk about all these things all all day on this podcast till we're blue in the face, right? But sometimes it just has to be learning by mistakes, by experience, right? Uh, I mean, the only way that I've learned a lot of things is when they really cost. There were costly mistakes that really hurt my bottom line, um, and then once you make that mistake, you better. I hope you don't make it again, right? Like no loosey goosey. You know, next steps, um, making sure you have all the proper decision makers up front, having that, you know, sort of upfront contract like, hey, if any time at any point you decide this is not the time or this is not for you, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I'm a big boy. Let me know because I'd rather move on to people that really do want and need my help. Um, and that's totally okay. And that served me well. Um, but I think sometimes we just, if you're stubborn like me, you got to learn by, by experience. This is one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned when it comes to sales. Not everything works for everybody and not everything works in every situation. And we could try one tactic with one individual and it may work. And we try it with the next individual and it doesn't work. So we've got to try different things. Um, I, again, I'm a big believer in a game plan, a 30, 60, 90 day game plan, a rolling 30, 60, 90. And you constantly have to be analyzing what's working, what's not working. So if you're responsible for the hunting and getting more appointments, well, you got to be looking at some key stats. How many calls are you making to how many contacts to how many appointments? And you got to understand your metrics because sometimes you might need to, as you said in the beginning, increase your activity if you're not getting the right results. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's definitely, you, you can't just, you know, be shooting in the dark and hoping that something sticks. You got to know your numbers. Numbers are huge, especially in sales. Like you got to understand um, what my friend Ryan over at Connected Cell likes to call your math of sales, right? So how many calls do you need to make to get how many conversations, to get how many meetings, how many meetings are become opportunities, how many opportunities are going to close, what's your goal, and then that's going to tell you all of how many dials, how many meetings, how many deals, you know, you got to figure out what's your goal. You got to figure out your math and then do some reverse, you know, reverse math to figure out, you know, what, what activities you need to be doing to hit your goal. 
I, I believe that to my core. And right now, with everybody sitting here, we're we're in late October. So you got to be taking a look at your 2020 goals. You got to subtract out what you've already got in there. You got to look at your pipeline and see what you think you could close out of that. Figure out how much net new business you need to bring in and then figure out how many appointments. One of the key stats that everybody should be knowing is how many net new appointments you need to generate each week in order to make your numbers. And then you got to kind of look at it and say, all right, where can I make some tweaks here? Um, because right now with process Prospecting, there's some great ways to get in the door that nobody was ever using before, and especially before COVID. Oh yeah, yeah, and let's let's talk about that, right? So, making sure you're using some of these tools because there's, you know, depending on what your, you know, ideal customer profile looks like, these people are, you know, typically being you know, reached out to by many people doing different things, what you do, other things as well. So how do you reach out differently? How do you, you know, not be another me too cold call or cold message or LinkedIn DM? Oh, so first of all, my husband's in sales. Can you imagine being married to me? And he's Right, but he comes down the other day and he goes, "I left this crazy message." He sell he sells uh, medical stuff, um, and uh -huh. he left this message for this doctor. We've got the best scalpel out there, and whatever. He he hung up the phone. He was even laughing to himself because it was kind of ridiculous. And sure enough, he got a phone call back that afternoon. So sometimes you try something a little different. A lot of my clients are having a lot of success with video messaging. So oh, yeah. you could you could do a little video of yourself, use it in your prospecting. And then the other key thing is you need a multi-prong approach. And it needs to be mm. at least eight to 12 steps because so many times people give up after four steps where it truly does take eight to 12 touches to get in the door. Be creative, use benefit statements. A lot of people are like, we could do this, this, and this. Just like you were saying before, if you don't relate it to the ultimate benefit for them, you're not going to be able to get there. And the other thing is, if you can get referrals or you can get warm leads, obviously that's the best way to go. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, using video, using LinkedIn, voice DMs, being creative. Um, I'm a big fan of keeping it short and sweet like you're talking to a friend, like you're sending a text to a friend. Um, you know, keep it super personal, uh, be creative, personalize it as much as you can. A lot of people have a hard time with that because it's not scalable. But, you know, if it's an important enough relationship or prospect, you know, that extra time definitely does matter. You know, everybody's got their or hopefully you got your dream list. Right. Those are the ones that you're going to spend a little bit more time to be a little put a little bit more creativity, bring a little bit more of yourself into that message, into it, email, DM, voice, DM, video, whatever it is. And then, you know, still have that space for your other more you know high volume activities as well. So I recommend that people have 
a top 50 list, right? These are what I consider heavy hitters, not the singles and the doubles, but the triples, home runs, and grand slams. And that's what you're going to put into this multi-touch program, right? And then you've got your prospecting efforts where, especially if you're an SDR, where you're just banging out the phone. The one thing I truly believe, and I'd love your you know, thoughts on this, separate your scrubbing time from your calling time. So if you do, oh, do yeah. your research, make sure you get it all done while you're watching television or the debate or whatever it might be. And then you're, you're calling. So you could kind of be going like this. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's important. You got to have your list. You got to have your list. If it's time, if it's come Monday and it's time to hit the phones and you don't have your list, how are you going to be successful? I mean, it's impossible. And it seems like it's such a simple thing, but you know what? It takes time. Um, when I started in sales over 10 years ago, you know, it was like, I was the first one in the office. I was the last one to leave. And on the weekends I was in there getting my list ready for the next week, every single week. And that's what it takes. And you know what? Then it was like printing off sheets of paper and putting them on cards. You know, now it's there's technology to put your list together, refine your list, customize your list, do a little research on your list, get that list warm and prepped and ready for the next week. Um, you know, when it comes time to show up to the game, it's like you're showing up, you know, if it's, if, you know, put, trying to put your uniform on when you get there and you don't have your equipment. You know, exactly. Back in the olden days, I could even top you with that. <laughs> this was before there was automated attendance. This is before the internet. We literally had Dun and Bradstreet cards, right? Three by five mm. cards. And just like you would go in on a Saturday, I would drive into my territory, take off all the marquees, write down all the names, stick it on three by five cards because we would have to call a hundred companies each and every week two two-hour blitzes. So I, I love the idea of preparing your list, but whatever you need to do. And it's a lot easier now that we have all these resources to develop those lists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these days you can create your list in a few minutes, you know, with LinkedIn Sales Navigator and, and a, a good, um, you know, technology. There's tons of them out there. Um, all right. So what do you tell folks that have maybe been in sales for a while? Maybe they think they know it all, you know, maybe not as open to learning new things. They've kind of hit a ceiling. Like, what do you tell those folks? Well, this is what I would tell you. You know what? We've all got to maximize our performance and our potential. So if you're a sales leader out there, you have a one-line job description. All you need to do is figure out how to help your direct report maximize their performance and the potential. So if somebody's underperforming, how do we get them to be average? If they're average, how do we get them to be good? If they're good, how do we get them to be great? If they're great, how do we get them to be a superstar? And I don't know where you are in California, but, um, you know, I'll use a baseball analogy. So if someone was a 280 hitter over their lifetime, what would you say about that hitter? Would you say that they're a decent hitter? Um, I'm not a big, I'm not a big right. sports guy. So let's just go with it. Yeah, so I think they're a decent That hitter. would be decent. So that's 20 <laughs> for every 100 at bats. Now, if I said a 330 hitter, now we're talking about 
33 hits for every 100 at bats, but a 330 hitter over their lifetime is a Hall of Famer. So what's the difference mm. between that pretty good and the Hall of Famer? It's only five hits for every 100 at bats. So no matter what level you're at, what if you could get a little better? I had this guy working for me. He's 168% of quota, but he was missing a piece of the pie. And I'm like, I think I could get you to 200% of quota. And sure enough, mm. by just making a couple tweaks, we could get there. So even if you're satisfied with your level of performance, you want to be the very best you could be. You don't want to be playing shoulda, coulda, woulda and say, I could have done it a little bit better. This is your opportunity to, especially if you're in your 30s and 40s, to build your wealth. And if you're in your 50s and 60s, it's getting yourself ready for retirement. But you might as well do the very best you can. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I think that, you know, I think that a lot of times it's easy to think you've got it all figured out, right? Especially if you've, you know, seen some level of success or you're comfortable. Um, but, you know, the minute you stop being open to learning, you're in trouble. I, I, I've been listening to podcasts, you know, for six months now and just – Every single day, I'm trying to learn one or two new things. And I've been in sales for 34 years. So I'd love all your listeners to think of something. And I call it triage. So what three areas that if you improved upon could have the biggest impact on your performance? So if you could figure out those three areas, and it could be any aspect of the sales, um, that would help you get to the next level. And if you're a sales leader, I'm going to highly recommend you figure that out for all your salespeople. I have an amazing tool for it. I'll tell you about that shortly. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about the, the tools. So uh, before we go there, uh, Lisa, thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, sales hustlers, you know, tons of good stuff in here. So you might want to go back and re-listen again. And then I'm going to let Lisa tell you where you can connect with her and what she has for you that we will include in the show notes. So, oh my gosh. Well, first of all, Thank you for investing your time and listening to today's podcast. This has been so much fun. I think I could have talked to you for hours and hours, but I'm all about helping people out. So every Friday at 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we run a sales success peer group. It's complimentary. Just go to our website, businessdevelopmentuniversity.com. Little long, but easy to spell. And you can get all that information. We're starting a book club. Our first one is Fanatical Prospecting. And the other thing on the website, I have all these tools for salespeople under our resources and BD utensils. They're all for free. So come check them out and please connect with me on LinkedIn. And if we could help you in any way, it would be our pure pleasure. Awesome. We will share the link there so that you guys can check all that stuff out. Thank you, Lisa, for coming on the podcast. If you are listening, please subscribe, write us a review, share with your friends, and we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris.
I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.